Episode 4 of Season 2. This is the ACC Basketball Degenerates Podcast. Welcome. This music, Mike. Good job. Thank you very new, much. New intro music. Gaps Punk did it specially for us. Yeah, <laughs> not quite. I'm Luke Near, your host. All the boys are in the studio for this one. We are taping on Sunday evening. That's right. Ahead of some interesting games involving ACC squads. Taylor's here. What's up? Hello, hello. Guthrie's here. He's over in the corner. He's going to join us. Hey. <laughs> He's way in the corner. Mike Jaffe's also here. Oh, you know, man. Vegas Mike, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank That's you That's your proper much. title. Yeah, Vegas Mike. Yeah. You're going to have a comeback week, right? You're going to need a comeback week. Yeah, I think I went what, I went 500 last week. 500 doesn't build champions. Mm. Yeah, it also doesn't beat the You're just paying the big. The book. Yeah. So here's what's on the agenda today. Uh, we're going to review the Champions Classic, which involved one ACC team, which is, of course, the Duke Blue Devils, suffering a loss to Kansas. We're going to go over that game. We're also going to review what Clemson was up to because they had two interesting games. They defeated Davidson and then fell to Xavier in, in a decent basketball game. Pitt also was making the rounds in their tournament. So those are three teams we'll go over. And also, we will definitely hit the big news coming out of Charlottesville, which is Austin Nichols dismissed from the University of Virginia men's basketball team. But first, we must remind you, the ACC Basketball Degenerates podcast is sponsored by Three Notched Brewing. Named after a colonial era trail running through central Virginia, Three Notched Brewery develops innovative beers around bold characters that left their mark on American history. Characters like Thomas Jefferson, Jack Jewett, and Patrick Henry. Three-notched beers can be found at fine grocers everywhere and at their tasting rooms in Charlottesville and Harrisonburg, Virginia. Three-notched brewing, leave your mark. So with that said, we're going to pick up the phone. We're deep diving into one of the contenders this year. We are going to have a look at the Louisville Cardinals in depth. So on the phone currently is Jeff Greer. He is on the Cardinals basketball beat with the Courier Journal. He's in the know from everything that goes on. At the Yum Center to the Patino press conferences to uh, Louisville, just you know, making the rounds around the country this time of year. Jeff, great to have you on the program. We're looking forward to uh, an inside look at the cards. How are you? I'm doing all right, guys. How are you? We're excellent. Um, first question coming at you. Louisville, over the course of the last couple of years, has you know been a sneaky good team. Maybe they haven't had as much credit as they've deserved because last year, of course, they were banned, uh, the self-ban for tournament play. And then the year before, they made the Elite Eight, but I don't know if anybody really seriously considered them to be contenders. Here's my question to you. Louisville in the non-conference, do you have a good feel for this team? Because they're steamrolling their opponents as they normally do. But we also saw that in the Montrez Harrell, a.k.a. Montrez Shizzle final campaign, where they looked like world beaters. They looked like they might be a Final Four team, and it, it kind of tapered off. Do you have a feel for where this team is and where their ceiling is? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the difference between the team now and that team two years ago is, on the one hand, you you had, with those guys, you had really four proven players. You had Harold, uh, Terry Rozier, uh, Wayne Blackshear, and Chris Jones, and then everybody else was just kind of a role player. Um, this year, and obviously Chris Jones being gone late in the season was why so many people uh, get kicked off the team. So many people kind of thought they were really just not as good as they started out the season as. Um, but this year, you know, they, they the difference is, is they've got a lot of guys that they don't know, um, you know, they have a good idea that they're going to be, you know, that they have a lot of potential, but they don't know for a fact that, you know, they're proven commodities. And so um, on the one hand, it could be that they're not that good at all, or it could be that they're better than that team. So 
that's the big difference is there, there's a couple proven guys on the team this year, um, but they're not only really two of them are primary guys when everybody else is, you're trying to figure out if they can take that next big step forward. Yeah. To your, to your point about that, a lot of those guys are people that we as basketball fans are expecting or hoping might make the leap this season leap to be that guy, you know, Quentin Snyder, maybe Donovan Mitchell, Dingadell, Dingadell, anyone, even, Jalen Johnson is looking really good so far. Um, is there one of those people that jumps out to you that you think is clearly he has, you know, the light switch has gone off and he has made the leap? Um, Donovan Mitchell, um, just because he, he's, he's, you know, the most uh, explosive athlete on the team. Um, he's a guy who, you know, on any given night, as you saw in the season opener, he can get you 15 points, but he can also rebound. He's a good steal guy. Uh, he can get some assists. I mean, he does everything for them. Uh, and the thing about him is is that he is a guy, he can get his own basket. Uh, he can create for others. He can play multiple positions. He can play the one or the two. Um, and his shooting is, you know, the numbers don't reflect it right now. Um, but his shooting, he worked a lot on it in the offseason, and it has made him a lot different of a player. So, he, you know, there's a few guys you mentioned. You mentioned Jalen Johnson. He's off to, just like you said, just a, a great start. Um, you know, and I know that Louisville is really excited about the start that he's off to, uh, albeit against competition that probably won't give us the best idea of where he is by, you know, February. Right. Um, but even if he can give them, you know, eight points and eight rebounds a game or, or you know, something like that, uh, they'll take it. So um, he's another guy who is high on that list. Him, but but Daniel Dell and Donovan Mitchell are really the two that um, I think a lot of people are building their expectations for Louisville on as those two guys kind of rising as sophomores and being the stars of the team. Yeah. In in a recent press conference, Patino, I think after the after Louisville beat William and Mary um, by thirty points or so, this is a real team, I mean, right? They're, they're yeah, a real non-conference they're a good team. opponent. He said, you know, our strategy is we're gonna fatigue people, we're gonna wear them out, and we're gonna grind down our opponents. And I think one of the things I've always felt with Louisville is that sometimes when they can't get those buckets in transition, and when they can't wear a team down, a really good team. It's hard sometimes to find baskets in the half court, and they have to have somebody like Damian Lee and Trey Lewis last year were the guys creating by themselves when their half court offense got bogged down. Do you see that coming up this year, and who do you think will be the guy they're going to rely on to create in that situation? Does that does that mean that this team has a ceiling at at higher levels? No, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good question, and it's one that will probably be answered. Um, you know, obviously we'll know more once the, once they start playing, um, you know, the Virginias and the UNCs and the Dukes of the world. But I, I think that's the thing that is so intriguing about them is that they are, um, there's multiple guys who can create for themselves and score and have court offensive sets. Um, Dang Adele, Donovan Mitchell, Quentin Snyder, um, they've got a bunch of guys, you know, who are good offensive rebounders who can score in half court, uh, second opportunities. And then, you know, what really has given them sort of an added element uh, is they've got VJ King, who is a McDonald's All-American coming off the bench, who is it's just smooth of a scorer as I've seen as, as far as freshmen go. Um, he just kind of glides around the floor. Um, and, and then uh, Tony Hicks, who is a, a graduate transfer from Penn, 
who sat out last year um, but was their leading scorer at Penn, uh, he can score too. So they have, a, they have really five guys who can score uh, by creating uh, and finding other guys. And I think that might be the difference. I mean, we're basically betting on, on potential versus like actual you know, numbers and, and stats that we see play out in front of us. Um, but the potential looks like it's there for that to not be as big of a problem as, as you identified. I mean, even with Damian Lee and Trey Lewis, it was a problem last year at times. Um, and uh, even with Terry Rozier and, and some of those guys, it was a problem. So um, they're going to have at least potentially five options of guys who can break people down off the wing. And in previous years, that that number was maybe one or two. Um, so you know, again, it's it's all potential. It could, that could be wrong. I mean, I could be wrong that any of these guys are are capable of that. Um, but at least right now, it looks like they have more weapons than they've had in recent years, as far as being able to make the half court offense not as painful of an experience as it has been in previous years. Jeff, sometimes in the non conference, uh, a player who's projected to be a leader or to make a jump can sometimes have a slow non-conference, and maybe that's because he's trying to get others involved, but you know he's going to be there when ACC play comes around. Do you see any candidates on Louisville who might not be posting uh, you know, huge numbers right now, but come conference play, they're going to be there, and they're going to be relied on? Uh, probably Quentin Snyder right now. I mean, his numbers aren't great, um, at least in three games. Uh, but he, you know, he, he he's the first, I'll put it this way, I mean, he's the first guy that I wrote a profile of for this season. So that mm. tells you that that's, you know, a guy who I I have identified and a lot of other people have identified as a really important player for them. Um, he can shoot. He shot 40% from three last year. Um, and he's a really, really important offensive weapon for them. He's their only true point guard on the roster. Uh, so he's a guy who, you know, he hasn't gotten off to the best start. I, I don't know his numbers off the top of my head. I think he's like one for 10 or something like that from three to start the season. I mean, he's really struggled, um, but that will not last. Um, so he, he's a guy that, you know, like I said, he, he's, they're going to rely on him all year. He's going to play 30 plus minutes. Um, and they just need him to be his usual steady self, um, you know, and make some outside shots and get in the lane and, and cause some problems. And he'll be there. Um, you know, he'll start playing better soon. And, and I would think that uh, once conference play comes, he'll be one of their three or four like key guys. If you had to identify maybe an Achilles heel for this team going forward, maybe it, it can be something we haven't even seen yet. What would you say is the one thing that is, is a question mark for them in this season? Well, it's it's kind of weird because if, if we had come in, if you had asked me that in like mid-October before I watched them play in any of their scrimmages or exhibitions, I would say you know maybe it's their outside shooting, shooting uh, and, and maybe it's their it's their um, just kind of their um, lack of any proven true commodity. Um, a month later, I would say my my primary concern about them is their defensive rebounding. I think it's still, um, you know, like you, we've talked about, Jalen Johnson has been really impressive early on. But again, you know, they, they've played, and William and Mary and Long Beach State are good teams, don't get me wrong, but they're not, um, you know, Duke or North Carolina, obviously. And I, I think that Louisville has four big men, and three of them are skinny Three of them are about 6'10 or 7 feet, about 200 pounds, 210 pounds. And so they're long and they're athletic, 
but they have issues boxing guys out and dealing with guys like, uh, you know, Kennedy Meeks or, um, you know, Austin Nichols before he was dismissed from the team. You know, different different options like that on these bigger, you know, on the teams that are supposedly going to be equal on equal footing with them. Um, I worry if that physicality is going to be a problem for them uh, when they get into these games that they can't play up and down as much as they would like. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot in the non-conference, though, because they have Purdue coming up on Wednesday the 30th, and then, of course, the uh, the infamous Kentucky game is in December. All right, Jeff Greer, last thing, because we like to have fun on this podcast. Uh, who's the best interview on Louisville in your mind? You're talking to these Ooh. guys in the locker room all the time. Yeah, I would say Donovan Mitchell. Um, but, the, you know, the interesting thing about this team compared to my first year on the on the beat was the year after they won the national title, and everybody always wanted to talk to Russ Smith just because he was wildly oh, sure. entertaining. Um, and he still is wildly entertaining. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, this team has a bunch of go-to guys. Dang Adele's real interesting. Mango Mathiang. Um, Quentin Snyder is interesting when you can get him talking a little bit. Mm. But Donovan Mitchell is just a natural um his dad uh, got up to AAA and, and, uh, as a pro baseball player, and, and he's just a really polished uh, kid who's obviously seen what it's like, um, you know, watching his dad go through all of that and how to be a professional. So he, even as a sophomore in college, he's just very polished. And, uh, I mean, the kid was his class president when he was a senior in high school. So um, he's got some chops, and, and uh, he's, an easy, he's an easy guy to talk yeah. to, and he's really introspective. So... Uh, he's he's my number one guy that I like to go to when there's no scrum around him and I can get him in a real conversation for once. I'm glad you brought that up. The Russ Smith locker room must have been pretty fun to cover with Luke Hancock involved. <laughs> I mean, do you have any favorite quotes? Do you have any, do you have a good Russ Smith story? That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, I have so many good Russ Smith stories. Oh, my favorite one was probably uh, we were in Tampa. And um, me and our columnist went over to talk to him at the end, and uh, we were done, and, and they were clearing out the locker room. I mean, the, the whole team except for Russ was gone. Um, so we walked with Russ to the bus, and uh, we were just saying, you know, how we thought, you know, USF had a nice arena and all this stuff. And, and Russ with kind of wide eyes turned to us, and he's like, and did you see their dance team? Like, he was just like... He was like shocked that they were as attractive as they were. Man. Uh, so I'm like, all right, Russ, thanks for it, sharing, man. I appreciate it. He must have been a very motivated Russ Smith that game. I mean, I don't know if you remember his line, but it had to have been had to have been hustling hard in that one. Anyway, <laughs> USF. Who would have known? I don't remember his line, but yeah, that, I'm pretty sure every game was a big Russ game uh, when he was a senior. But um, and they blew out USF every yeah. time they played them. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, he's a wildly entertaining guy and. And uh, miss having him around, that's for sure. Jeff Greer, it has been a pleasure. We can follow you at Twitter, or our listeners can follow you at Jeff Greer underscore CJ. That's the Twitter handle. Anything you have going up uh, on the website, which would be thecourierjournal.com in the next week or the next month or the next year, because uh, we can track you all the way until till March. Yeah, well, I'll be in battle for Atlantis, man. So we'll be leaving tomorrow morning for the Bahamas. So yeah. we'll have a lot of stuff. Uh, starting then, and you mentioned some of those good non-conference games, so they're going to be an interesting team to follow all year. We'll be watching, for sure. Jeff Creer, it's a pleasure. We'll have to have you back on sometime soon. All right, talk to you guys later. All right. All right, so that's a nice first look at Louisville, and one of my theories about this team, okay? 
in tournament time, because that's what we're building towards, right? ACC tournament or NCAA tournament wins a time when Louisville's going to be a favorite. How about this? What's their, their mantra, like Jeff just told us? To wear teams down with the press. So I'm thinking Sunday games, Saturday games is when we can really value Louisville, right? Yeah, as you kind of move through. Short the rest. Yeah. yeah, short rest. And in the ACC tournament, if they get over the first turtle, that's just a theory of mine. That, and shooting generally tends to decline in the ACC tournament once you hit Friday and Saturday. Right. So right. that's that's just what I'm thinking down the road. This is a long ways down the road. We have a lot of basketball to be played until then, but that's just a theory. I thought it was interesting when he said that, you know, if you'd ask him a month ago, he would say shooting was their weakness, and now it's defensive rebounding in his mind. Um, and, I mean, if you're rooting for Louisville, that's got to give you a little bit of – it's got to give you some confidence because shooting is a lot harder to teach in season than – defensive rebounding especially with their front court um well like he said they're a bunch of skinny guys they don't have much doughy strength hashtag doughy strength very important yeah. <laughs> uh but you know with like such a tall front court and all those guys that can throw at you you got to think it's easier to improve on defensive rebounding midseason than it is to suddenly make guys shoot better midseason yeah, and I'll also say, you know, what's funny is that historically uh, Louisville has not been great uh, re- rebounding the ball defensively. They're a great offensive rebounding team. You know, according to Ken Palm's stats, last year they were eighth in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. That's because they play the matchup zone. Yeah, right. And the matchup right. zone is not conducive to defensive rebounding. It just Sim- isn't. Similar to what you see with Syracuse. But I, actually, my big takeaway from the interview was, you know, hearing that Donovan Mitchell has really been in the gym working on his jump shot. Um, and that he's actually going to come out and be a better shooter this year. You know, Luke has touched on it before that, you know, that's their greatest weakness, right? Without without Damian Lee and without Trey Lewis, you know, who's going to shoot the ball? It's their weakness every year. Right. Every year. Yeah. And, I mean, you you see Dang Adele easily able to get to the basket, but who's going to be able to shoot the three consistently? Quentin Snyder, you know, that's who we're kind of thinking in the back of our mind is going to be that guy for them. And, you know, I'll be interested to see if Donovan Mitchell can shoot, you know, over 35% from three this year. He's opened the season uh, 5 of 16, currently hitting 31%. So he's got to be higher than that if they're going to compete for the national championship. Is there anything else they can teach at Louisville? I'm not going to go there. We're going to review <laughs> games now from the ACC. Let's let's go right into the Champions Classic. What do you say? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do talk it. about this game. Yeah, I mean, what a game. The Mighty Blue Devils, and for anyone who was considering an, an undefeated run, well, I'm sorry to put that to bed, but we put that to bed in our preview. Come on. Yeah. Come on, let's face it. Yeah. This Duke team, we lost our first um, imaginary wager of the season from our kitty. Right, mm. right. And we Guthrie, had a consensus. For, for the record, we had a consensus until five minutes before the game, and then Guthrie was starting to get butterflies. You could tell that we, we were on the wrong side of history. And uh, Guthrie right. wanted to pull the plug, and he, he was he, we should have listened. Well, I thought I made it pretty clear that I didn't think anyone could guard Frank Mason. Right. And that was a huge question mark. Turns out I also right. think we kind completely of. right. Kind well, of. Well, kind of. Yeah, but Kansas can't guard anybody. I actually thought that they Duke's later in the game started doing a better job of this. Um, but Kansas did a pretty good job on the perimeter against Duke. And one of the problems with the way Duke was playing in that game was that in that when they run that kind of weave with the handoffs around the three point line with the guards, they there needs to be that threat of penetration to open up the space for their shooters to really space the court and they were not threatening to penetrate the and that left the Kansas guards free to push up really far and really hard on the Duke ball handlers and it really 
messed up their spacing, their ability to get good shots off. They, you know, they still got some threes off early on, but they were not as good quality as you usually see. Now, later in the game, they kind of started getting a little bit better, but I think that's one of the reasons, too, why you saw um, Grayson Allen disappearing is because normally he would be the guy who I feel threatens. very vindicated about that theory yeah. of mine. Grayson Allen, 2 for 15. I feel very vindicated about my theory about how he could hurt this team Right. once right. once the guns come back, the big guys. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'll tell you, the three greatest defenders in that game were probably Mike Roberts, James Breeding, and Pat Adams. That's the officiating crew uh, for the game. Uh, let me tell you, that game was just out of whack tempo-wise from the start, and I think that really thwarted a lot of what Duke wanted to do in terms of getting up and down, uh, shooting those transition threes that have become a hallmark of Duke basketball over the past few years. Duke right now, I think we could just picture them as last year's squad with a better Luke Kennard. I don't know if Grayson Allen's better. I'm not sure about that yet. I, I actually we'll find out. His troubles. Stay with me. Okay. Plus Frank Jackson. Okay. And then instead of an ogre in the post, they now have a slightly different version in Chase Jeter for now. So instead of having Plumlee the ogre, they have Chase Jeter the uh, the active jumper who still can't make a layup. A lot of feelings about this. I consider myself Chase Jeter's biggest fan. Both his um his strengths and his weaknesses, I embrace them all. He's fantastic. I'm rooting for him. Um, he looks. Well, for, you, have, you have another month, so for, congratulations for all the Enjoy. times he may Enjoy your time. for all the times he may look overwhelmed. It's so much better than last season where he looked completely lost. At least now he like understands, and you know he's he's getting the easy looks. He's rolling, whatever. But yes, at I least now he can get stuffed at the rim in right. style in a month, or by the rim. He gets stuffed month. by the rim. <laughs> you saw it. You saw it. Yeah, yeah. He, that was rough. Yeah. It's true that when Duke, which we haven't even touched on, when Duke gets the three freshmen back. I mean that obviously this whole game plan may change completely, but I think the the troubles that you're seeing with Grayson Allen are not due to really his his style of play or him forcing it. It's forcing it a little. It's a little I think bit it, better today. I think it has more to do with they are having trouble spacing out the floor to get those lanes and get that shot, and it's because of their inability to threaten in penetration. And I. I think once they get the well, timing the big of guys are not right? gonna, the big guys are not going to penetrate. Right, right. When yeah, they come so what back, are you, what are they, they need about? that they need that wingman in transition. Uh, they they miss Ingram obviously a lot. I mean, he's an excellent basketball player. I think when when they're able to run at full strength, um, I, I do think it will open up more for Grayson Allen. I mean, he's only shooting twenty two percent on the year from three right now. Well, it's also right now in the Kansas game, the Kansas guards pressed way out, right up to the three point line on the ball handlers, like in their face. No sag whatsoever. And tossing the ball to the post to Tatum or Giles for a one-on-one is a lot better than tossing the ball to Jeter in the post for a one-on-one. And that's going to be a huge difference. I mean, I think that's going to help. I think the timing on the handoffs is going to help. I, I think a lot of people right now are asking what's wrong with Grayson Allen, right? He's not shooting the ball well, and he's not, not getting— Not me. He's, not yeah, me. Yeah, 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 you're saying Grayson Allen is I'm, who I'm he is. I'm familiar with his work. Right, right. I mean, I think that one of the other issues is that he's not getting to the line like he like he was last year. You know, he, he used to live at the line. He's only drawn about five fouls a game total. Um, you know, just, just really not— um, I don't know if it's that he's not as aggressive. I guess he is still aggressive. I, I don't know what it is right now, but he's, he's, settling, not, he's not the same he's settling player. settling much more— jump shots and people like to talk about how Grayson Allen is a great a great shooter but I I mean he's much better attacking the rim and taking it to the paint and getting fouled or you know 
making a tough a tough shot in the lane. Right. I mean, right. he's to me, he's not he's not the best shooter even on the Duke team. Yeah, well, might be Frank Jackson right now. Frank Jackson Frank, looks Frank great. Jackson actually has been playing really well, and that's what a lot of people are kind of glossing over in this whole start of the season for Duke is that like the one freshman who's actually getting playing time. Well, Mike, you're on. Kennard's well. the best shooter on this team. Yeah, he's shooting 52% so far to open the year. Kennard's been amazing. Uh, you know, he's been everything that you expected Grayson Allen to be so far to open up the year. Um, okay, l- great, bottom line, all right, let's wrap up the, the Champs Classic. Which team do we feel better about coming out of the Champions Classic, Kentucky or Duke? Real question, Guthrie, start. Kentucky, like not even close. The The freshmen on Kentucky have been unbelievable so far. Uh What's his, what, what's his name? Fox. Yeah, Fox and Monk. He said, yeah. I mean, he set a he set a freshman record for assists in one of the one of the first Kentucky games. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they're playing really really well. Yeah, right. And I also have a soft spot for left-handed people in general. You know, <laughs> just it doesn't matter what it is. Phil Mickelson, you know, Fox. It doesn't matter. Everything looks cooler on the other side of the mirror. You know. Um, yeah, I agree. I thought that I think Kentucky comes out. Uh, you come out. Looking forward to watching them more this year uh, than than Duke. Uh, too many questions with Duke right now. I don't know if Harry Giles can come back and be the most exciting player in the ACC, um, like I think he could be. Um, then then they'll be the best. But I'm I'm not well, sure. Here's the thing about Kentucky: they look fantastic. The only person who can shoot from range on that team is Malik Monk. And later in the season, when you get to better teams, are you they're sure going to sag that? back and they're going to. Are you sure? Pack the paint. Well, right now I know he, Fox is probably not a great shooter. He's the only but person really who's a couple games in. He's the only person who's proven that you have to guard his shot right now. You have to game plan for his shot. That Kentucky team could also defend. That's, that's what, true. Yeah, that's what I like about him. I'm higher on, on Kentucky. I'm higher on Kentucky in this moment, but I think I'm saying who's the favorite right now. That's the question. Who's the favorite? Mm. And I would love to say Villanova, but I didn't include them, so. We're not going to go there. Right. I'm still pulling for Louisville. Between the Blue Bloods. <laughs> I don't know. Taylor. Between Duke and Kentucky? Man. Do I have to pick right now? Yeah. I'm. You know what? I honestly, it's, it's early. You can it's change. early. It doesn't matter, right? This is, this I is still a, might say Duke just based on the okay. potential. They're going to have good. three guys coming back who are all going to be big parts of their team. Okay. Yeah. I'd say Kentucky. That was going to be the hammer, but there was a Billis moment. During, oh. There was a Billis moment. By the way, yeah, and I, I do want to say before you even get into your Billis moment, which I, I he, like he that we should, these should be reoccurring themes throughout the podcast season. Um, having you talk about Billis last week just made me zero in on all the things that Billis says, and it just – I think he my believes Billis it all. meter was I off the hook. It. I, it made I me just, get so annoyed listening to him. I had to think about you talking about him. It was like <laughs> listening to Luke and Jay Billis in my ear well, the entire wrong. game. It was tough. Here's the moment. It was when – who got teed up? It was, was it, no, it wasn't, ja- it was Josh Jackson. Yeah, Josh Jackson. There's so many Jacksons and Franks. Uh, there, I mean, there's two Franks at the game, there's two Jacksons. I, you know, it confuses me. But Josh Jackson got teed up for slapping the ball out of Emil Jefferson's hands. But yes. it was a dead ball. And uh, I don't know who was, who was play by playing. I'm not sure who. Um, the other guy that was always, McDonough? yeah, the other guy that always or calls games with him. One right? of the bald guys. Yeah, one of the other bald guys. Yeah, so yeah. one of the bald guys said, oh, look at that, freshman mistake, losing his temper. And then Billis, not to be shy, said, quote, I don't say what the problem is, it's a dead ball. <laughs> did you guys hear that? I did hear I that. I did it. hear that. I don't it, say what the problem is, it's yeah. a dead ball. Yeah. You should be able to do whatever you want with it. Anyway, that's my Billis moment of the week. Which is not true. 
And uh, yeah, one other, just one other thing on this game. Josh Jackson changed the game totally with his uh, start to the second half. When he fouled out, is actually we're when done. Duke, we're done recapping the game. When Duke was able to come back, I'm gonna say one other talking, thing. This is a Billis moment. Frank Mason, the third shot there, great shot to close out the game. Reminded me very, very similar of Kemba Walker's uh, shot to win the Big East championship uh, three or four or five, six, seven years ago. Against Pitt, where he crossed. What was that guy's name? The, the guy you're, you're talking about. The, the guy the game. almost fell down. Yeah. 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 It was it was embarrassing. Anyways, yeah, yeah, great moment for Kansas. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. <laughs> you know who says that? All right, that's a wrap on the Champions Classic. We probably spent a little too much time there. This is not the Blue Blood Podcast. We're gonna go to Clemson, who's very active this week. Gentlemen, I, I know we kept an eye on Clemson Davidson. Guthrie was the only one to pick this game correctly. He had the Tigers. The three of us had Davidson. Uh, what do we see from this team? I thought going into the Xavier game, I really believed they were gonna beat Xavier. Deep down, I believed it. I was a little disappointed how they came out. They came out flat in the Xavier mm-hmm. game. Yeah. But, I mean, it's on short rest. What do you guys think? Yeah. I feel like Guthrie should talk since he, he was the one who really uh, – I did re- not watch this game, actually. Oh, you didn't you – no. you just put your money on it and then yeah. just walked away. You were just – you already knew you didn't have to watch it. It's like – You already spent it. Yeah. You already spent the money. Yeah. You shoot the three and you just walk away with your hand up, huh? All right. <laughs> fine. Fine. Well, tell, let me tell you. I watched this game and it was a nightmare. Uh, you know, I I – I really thought that Clemson was weaker inside than they are. But, you know, in actuality, I just – I think that what they've been able to do uh, with their interior defense, especially with um, – gosh, what's his name? Dehite? Dehite? Dehite. Dehite. I tell you, Dehite is a man inside. I, he, he's, he's everything that I want him to be and more. You know, I, I thought he was great. I thought he played an excellent game there. And Gabe DeVoe is the best player on their team right now. Jaron Blossom game hasn't yet showed you know up. What? We to, might have uh, to start a new semester. segment, a new segment called Pronunciations with <laughs> Mike Jaffe. That's a new segment I, coming up I, next week. It's funny to hear you say that you thought they were seriously going to beat Xavier because like, I did. I felt fi- they were. I mean, I, I gave them a chance, but like five minutes into that game, watching that game, I was like, there's no chance Clemson is going to win this. I just felt that even when they yes, made it close I, at the I end. I know. Early on, well, they came up flat. Right. They just and not and they good. also, it's not going to be every week that. Uh, J.P. Makura hits five of five three-pointers and hits a career high in yeah. the first part half. Of that's that's because, happen part of that's time. because I don't trust that Xavier team. Right. Look, I mean, let's let's get to the core of this, and we've already talked about Grayson Allen. Jaron Blossom game is the second guy we'll talk about. We can talk about Tyler Lydon also. Where are the three ACC Player of the Year candidates uh, Tyler so far? Tyler Lydon has been horrible. Yeah, I mean, all three of them have been terrible to open the year. I mean, Blossom game hasn't shown up yet. I you know, I, I again, I think Gabe DeVoe's been the best player on the court for Clemson. Um, you know, I, I would be very concerned about that if I were Clemson going forward. They're, they're relying on him, and he just looks like another guy on the court right now. Clemson shoots way too many three-pointers for a team that is not very good at shooting the ball from three-point range. Um, and they seem to settle way too much for that. And Blossom game, first of all, I feel like they're having trouble getting the ball in his hands, or they're not really making a huge effort to get the ball in his hands. They're not really getting him good matchups when they need a point. You know, they. I, I think it's he's struggling just to find his way in the game, find that place. And I think they need to get him, you know, into the paint against guys who will have a hard time matching up with him. He's so strong for that position. He's a hard matchup to guard. Um, and I think it's a. It would be great to get him down there inside, and they haven't really done a good job of that. Do we feel better or worse about Clemson after watching them 
through the first two weeks of the season. I had them. I think I had them higher than you did, Taylor, in my preseason rankings. Yeah, I feel like you had them top seven, right? I think I had them around eight, and you guys had them around eleven. Yeah, I, I came down off my season two teaser high um, when I had them, I think, fourth. And I think I may have reverted back to having them ninth, yeah, probably I mean, like behind Pitt yeah, or alcohol something. Alcohol might have been involved yeah, in I mean, that just, teaser. That's I don't know. Everything, however many grains of salt you take when listening to this podcast, just double the dose depending on how late we record. Uh, just because you know, sometimes I get ahead of myself. I get excited. I'm excitable. And especially if Mike and Taylor just decide to go rogue and tape by themselves, that's when you know. That's a that's a big sign. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's enough that's on Clemson. Right. Pitt, oh, why, why do we love watching and talking about this Pitt team so much? We shouldn't talk this much. We shouldn't talk this much about Pitt. I, I blame Mike partly for that and his irrational love for Absolutely. the artist known as artist. But um, real quick, let's rap on Pitt. I mean, not. I don't mean hip hop rap. I mean let's. Let's wrap it, you know. Let's go quickly. Oh, yeah, okay. Let's tighten it up like a like a bow. Yeah, let's tighten it up. Um, yeah, so Pitt obviously played SMU. Uh, this was a game you can fast forward to. Maybe. First of all, you're the wrong person to lead this conversation. Wait a minute. You can go back to the 50-minute mark in last week's podcast where I go on probably a 90-second rant about why the casinos want you to take SMU and how it's a trap game and all these things. SMU was in total control of that game. I'll let my better partners kind of discuss it. What but. do they have on you? They got to you. I never <laughs> thought I would see the moment when they got to you, Vegas Mike, but they got to you somehow. Uh, no, I mean, so the real issue, the hot takes thing is Pitt is nobody besides Jamel Artis and Michael Young. Um, Especially Michael Young. Right, and Michael Young has looked amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. he looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks great in the first half. I, I also think just game. On, Sorry, on defense, they, they have been going to that zone – and it's kind of like they are all kind of that in that six eight to six nine range, but they don't have true stoppers inside. They don't have true rim defenders, and they try and use like that like swarming length type zone that's that you've seen Syracuse kind of do. Right, and they are just a poorer version of that. Yeah, and they don't do a very good job with that. And it's well, not. It seems like. Kevin Stallings is almost experimenting with it, and it seemed like it was sort of working in the SMU game at times. Uh, SMU was taking really bad shots, and nothing was seemingly working for them on offense. This was kind of towards the end of the first half of that game. Right, right. And honestly, the game was was pretty close for a decent chunk yeah, of time. Yeah, I mean, it was a two-point lead for Pitt at half. It was 33-31. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even like... But, so my memory is that at the start of the second half, Pitt came out in the zone again, but SMU somehow like the what's what's the coach's name Tim J- Jenkinson or something? Uh, is yeah, that, is that, that right? sounds right. Yeah. Um, Jankovic. 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 Excuse me. Uh, so so Larry he, Brown was at the game in the stands in an SMU windbreaker. I want to point that out. Yeah, so. yeah. I saw. I saw. <laughs> I saw. Fantastic that. looking windbreaker. SMU athletic staff, get on that. Send me one, please. Did it have like a scarlet letter on it? <laughs> I mean, sure, I think it was, yeah, sure. Anyways, continue. Yeah, so, so what I was, what I was saying, what I was saying was, um, the coach of SMU clearly was anticipating the zone in the second half, and the ball movement was much, much better by SMU. And Proved SMU killed them on the glass. I mean, outright mm. rebounded them defensively and offensively. That's one of the things you give up in a zone. But they, SMU killed them on the glass, and um, some of their interior guys just had a field day down low, especially near the end of the game. This has gone on way too long. Yeah. 
We were supposed to do a rap on Pitt. <laughs> Let me say one thing about Pitt. All right, I'll, then I'll rap. That's it. the newest one to watch. You've said ten things. Ojale, Shake he, Milton. His name is Shake, like S H A K E. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean Michael Young is cur- the current career point leader in the a- ACC. Okay, he's been turning it here, on here lately. He you're, got twenty. You're gonna say, you're gonna say he's, he's the lead horse. <laughs> he's the lead horse for ACC look, player of the year. Career point leader in the ACC. You can't argue with that. Man is averaging twenty four points a game. He had twenty two against SMU and then came out with thirty against a tough Marquette team to rebound the Pitt Panthers. A tough Marquette team. We shall see about I that. I like him. <laughs> I like him going forward. They're a good Go team. They're, that was a solid win for Pitt. That was a good win. All right, so there's your bow. What else happened this week? Should we, should we talk about Nichols? You want to go there? Yeah, yeah. And I it. feel like you'll have maybe a little bit more insight than we will. I, I, I felt this coming. Felt, I felt it coming. When, felt when, it coming. when you get the suspension in the first game of the year, you just got to wonder you know, what's going on internally there. Um, but, yeah, why don't, why don't you give me your thoughts on the Austin Nichols situation? Well, listen – Virginia has had many players suspended for game ones before. Parentes was suspended for for game one two years ago for activity in the summer, which led all the way to the suspension. So we don't know when the one-game suspension, I don't know, infraction occurred for Nichols. It could have happened months ago. It could have happened right before the season. We just don't know. Okay. I was very surprised because when a player gets a warning, like a one-game suspension, you'd expect – him to round into shape, and it just didn't happen. And I guess you got to credit Tony Bennett for being a no-nonsense coach. I mean, he stays to his guns, he sticks to his pillars, and he's going to – that's where he built the program, and he's not going to change. Right. So for Nichols, though, I, I mean, I don't know where he goes from here. Obviously, he has tremendous talent. And from when I talked to him, I interviewed him twice, once in the summer and once at the ACC tournament last year. I didn't see any of these signs that people are pointing to. Because, you, know, you know, the fan base is saying, well, we should have seen this as a sign. I didn't really see any of those. I was thrown completely off guard. Were you guys thrown off guard? Apparently Mike wasn't. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was not expecting this. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, whenever you hear about somebody getting suspended and if they're new to the program, I just, I don't know. It's It, it was a huge loss to yeah, the ACC. More importantly, uh, what what does it mean for Virginia? Well, they are going to have to win games again in the 61 to 55 range. That's I'll tell what you they're going to have to do. Welcome to the Jack Salt era. <laughs> 2.0. Stop it. Just, no, that's, you're wrong. I don't know, Guthrie, chip in here if you, if you want to. Yeah, the resident homer, cents. probably yeah. not too happy about this. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, Pretty devastating loss. I was worried honestly. about you when they announced Nichols' yeah, uh, suspension from um, the program. It was, a, it was a sad, sad moment for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really it puts a damper on the depth in the front court. Uh, I mean, he was going to be a featured a featured player in the system. Like, I mean, he would have. I don't know. There, there, there were a few moments in um, the one game that he played where it was clear, like. He had the ability to execute the pick and pop, or not necessarily pick and pop, pick and roll, probably. Um, and it would have been. It looked really like he nice was going to be their leading scorer. It looked like he would be the leading scorer for the it, year. Yeah, he would have been. Yeah. Very, very well could have been. Yeah. And secondly, here's what's most disappointing I was looking forward to the Nichols Diakite block, just block party, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Attack block the block. Block-a-palooza. Because we've we're already seeing that from Diakite. He's incredible. Yeah. He's incredible yeah. at the rim. Blocker. Yeah, he had what four four blocks today? Five blocks today? 
<laughs> Anyways, more it, than more than I had today, which was he, zero. He did look pretty decent. Um, I was it, and I, I was pretty excited. I wanted to, see, to see those two on the court together, even for small spans, just to see those two protect the rim together. And now we're not going to have it. So that's, right. that's why what, I'm disappointed. And, and what about Austin Nichols' future going forward? I mean, you, you had someone know. who I think could have been an NBA draft pick. Absolutely. He, uh, he could have gone out after a stellar junior campaign. Right. He could have gone out. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. If he graduates, he is still has a year of eligibility left and will not have to sit out. I don't know. Is that right? So I suppose. Potentially I, somebody could accept him as a transfer, and if he was, had graduated, he wouldn't have to sit out. Yeah. I don't know, but that doesn't I, relate to our purposes. Yeah, I, I wonder if he still wants to play. I mean, I, I don't know. That's that is that's a good question. I don't know. I've been, I you know, I played football in college. I've been around guys that have not wanted to participate in the sport anymore, and you know, I, I've heard some of those rumors going around with Austin Nichols, and I, I wonder if there's some validation to that. Bennett did say earlier today that he hopes this is a turning point for Austin, and that they're all still rooting for him. So yeah, well, I am too. But I am too. That. That just Virginia's ceiling is has been lowered significantly. A lot of people in my life have told me that they're still rooting for me, and they've all been disappointed. So really, <laughs> I, know, I know where they're coming from. There. I hope that's not your wife talking. <laughs> <laughs> she gave up on me a long time ago. Okay, so Virginia from here on out, and Jay Huff is apparently his shirt will not be burned. That's what we learned today. That could change in the future. Right. If say, Bennett looks at the the product from the other post players. And realizes that you might not want to go to war with Jack Salt and Jared Reuter against ACC centers, um, or an injury. Yeah, I th- to those me are, those I mean, would be the only cases I think. Do you think we'll see some lineups with not really a true center, a true big man? No, but no like, they're gonna play small, again. small ball, and they'll, they'll trap the post. And I, I think the problem might be on offense. That's I, that's the biggest loss for Nichols is that point production. Yeah, absolutely. On offense. Yeah. Yeah, fifteen points a game are hard to find because you can't you system. can't dump it down to Wilkins. He's a He's a face to the basket. He's not a back to the basket player. Right. At the pace they play. And you can't dump it into salt because he doesn't have the hands. He doesn't have the, the feel. He doesn't have the moves. So what are you going to do? You can't play inside out anymore right. if you're Virginia. Does, all right, here, here's the question, though. I mean, does Virginia still finish in the top five in the ACC? I had them yeah, six preseason, well, by con- the way. Congratulations. I saw, saw you this saw coming. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, I mean, certainly we can't consider them in the top three contenders now. And, and yeah, does it drop them outside of that conversation? I mean, are they worse? They can than- defend well enough to do it. They they arguably will have the best defense in the country. It's either Louisville or Virginia this year. One of those two teams is going to have the best defense. Okay, sounds like number six in the ACC to me. Yeah. All right, next topic. We'll see, Michael. We'll see, Jaffe. Next topic. Where should we go from here? Are we we're going to start previewing? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Well, we are taping this on a, on a Sunday evening right and i want to mention i'm all over creighton against nc state tonight i love creighton tonight mike for some reason is seeing something out of this nc state product that i'm not and i regret picking ac uh, picking nc state around five what did i pick them at six five you might have had them them at five no what a terrible idea yeah until until omar Ustevan, and again we'll check the pronunciation yeah um but until he comes back you know they're not a full team I guess the point spread right now for the Creighton game is six. Well, he um, better be really good, Creighton. or else this NC State team is in trouble. He he is ninety two points. He better in be Turkey. really. He's gonna need. They're gonna need all of it. All ninety two. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, with the way the defenses are playing, Dennis Smith right now. I mean, what they he doubling. started that coup in Turkey solely with his basketball skills. <laughs> Absolutely, it's like Space Jam kind of, but on I, a much smaller. I just scale. can't believe I got fooled. 
by NC just, State. I should have looked at Godfrey coming out shirtless in boxing gloves and known. <laughs> you can't pass judgment yet, can you? I mean, that was a moment that I should have recognized and said, I am not putting my trust Is in this. Is this a team. replay of every year with me where NC State where I say, they're going to get hot and make the Sweet 16? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I like Creighton here as well in minus six. You just, just said. Just for the record. You said before we started taping, you liked NC State. So the wind Did blows. Did I change your my mind? Did <laughs> so the wind blows. Uh, yeah, I, well, I was the one that wanted to take Creighton uh, against Wisconsin last week, but you guys knocked it off. Oh the no, I wanted Creighton against Wisconsin too. You and I picked that off the record, but we didn't include it because it wasn't really ACC. Yeah. I've mentioned Creighton in every single I love episode so, I'm, so far this year. We nailed that. We one. shouldn't it's spend too much to time on this game since we're it's going it's happening as we tape. But well, we might look like geniuses. I am going to stick to my guns. NC State plus six. Give it to me. They're covering. Oh, that's great. You'll be wrong. Creighton's incredible, and they're going to cover. Yeah, perfect. Guthrie, since we've all weighed in, do you just want to pass? I, 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 I don't really, I don't know. It's not an interesting game to me. Really? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah oh. I, I'm not. Boo this man. Yeah, I just. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just don't. I, I, I mean, sorry, Creighton. I just don't really care about, about Creighton basketball very much. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe it'll be exciting at some point. You are such a coastal they're gonna elitist. Be a, they're going to be a top. I am. They're going to be like that's a real, team. That's real I America. A, I am a 100% coastal elitist. Yeah. The Rust Belt means nothing. Can I tell you something? Her. When I was in college, Creighton had one of the most electric teams. Or no, was that Drake? Oh, I think I don't it was Drake. Drake. Drake was incredible. <laughs> it was one of the two. They're both blue. They're both blue, royal now blue. Now who's right? a coastal elitist? Look at this. <laughs> both okay. of you. So let's preview what, what else is next. Come All on, right. Guthrie, what other games do you have for this? No, What's no, an interesting yeah. game? I, I got a few. I got a few. All right. So why don't we start with, I think, probably the most interesting game to start the week, at least, which will be Notre Dame against Colorado. Uh, this is going to be a neutral uh, game on a neutral floor at the Barclays Center for the Legends Classic. Uh, Notre Dame is currently projected to be two-point favorites um, against Colorado. Colorado is undefeated. Um, they've looked really great so far this year. Everybody's kind of down on Notre Dame, and, and you're wondering – well, is this is this a team that can consistently cover? Is this a team that can be um, better than people's expectations? I mean, I know Taylor's always been big on Notre Dame, and it always confuses me. Maybe you can shed some light on why. I mean, I am back this year again to be high on Notre Dame. I love it. I love the style. I love it. VJ Beecham, Bonzi Colson. It's just weapons. The emergence of Rex Fluger, an amazing name and amazing hair. I mean, they've I mean, got everything. Those sounds you hear are not real reasons to pick them. <laughs> no, no, they're not. But let me give you some reasons. Okay, so they're not going to have – last year, you know, all five guys on the court were scorers. They could score at any moment. They, it's not as it's not as much to the extent as it was last year, but they still have that kind of, like, feeling that any moment they can explode, they can pour on points, they shoot. Right now they have, you know, all those guys I just named uh, – with the addition of Steve Asturia, are shooting. Bonzi Colson doesn't really count from three point, but Vasturia, Beecham, and Fluger are all shooting above forty percent from three point range. They're Did all, you go to like a Mike Bray motivational talk in the I mean, offseason? I just because you're, you're you're giving me some Bray vibes right now with your excitement. I think that people discredit this style of basketball, and it is what it is a very. It's what you see in the NBA, the pace and space type thing. They're turning into just everybody shoots, everybody scores. They 
you know, get up and down. That's that's what they're going to be. I mean, they actually except in the semifinals of the ACC tournament. Right. That that game is just ingrained in my mind. That's why I can't jump on this this bandwagon. And I'm proud to say I've not watched a minute of Notre Dame basketball this year. And I think I think you're going to see their defense it. be a little bit better than it was. I mean, last year their defense was just. I mean, they didn't have it. Yeah, it was. But, it was absent. <laughs> it was non-existent. But I think it's going to be just one step up this year, and they're still going to have that great offense. I'm ready. I'm ready for the ride. You know. Um. So, okay. Uh, back to this game. Notre uh, Dame minus two. I t- I'm taking it. Yeah. I mean. So what, what? What do we know about Colorado? I. I personally, I know. I know very little. I knew something maybe two years ago, but I know virtually nothing, and I don't have access to the means yeah. to answer uh, well, that. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're you're maybe used to a slower, more deliberate pace. Working through Josh Scott who uh, was the best 45-year-old playing college basketball last year. Uh, you know, he he was a slow and deliberate man on the low block. They worked inside out. Uh, this year, they've actually transitioned to more an up-and-down pace. Um, Tad Boyle's team uh, really getting up and down the floor, getting on the glass, but it's really defensively where I think you're going to see a big change uh, for Colorado. I actually like them uh, to man up and be able to cover guys like B.J. Beecham with uh, Josh Fortune, who is a contender for Pac-12 uh, Defensive Player of the Year. I really like what they can do defensively to slow Notre Dame down. So I will say, I will say, um, just looking at the scores, they both played Seattle actually in this uh, Legends Classic regional. Transitive round. property alert. Well, I mean, not the, a real thing. Look, <laughs> but I mean, just look at the scores. Uh, Colorado beat Seattle by twelve, and Notre Dame won by forty. So look at the crowds. All right, I'm just what saying. I'm, I'm say. just saying. I'm holding a vendetta against. Both of these teams, but more so against Colorado because I had them over UConn last year and they decided to oh. no-show the second half. Man, they totally no-showed. We looked and like you, geniuses. You and I were in, wait, what do you mean? When, are you talking about during the tournament? Sure. Oh, man. We it look, was like the 8-9 game and I was bragging to every single person about in the Colorado. Westgate. Yeah, about Me Colorado. Me too. You and I were on Colorado and you know what? They they decided to slap us in the face in the second they half. They did. They like did. personally, they're like Josh Scott's big old man face just came over and just slapped me across the like, face. Hey, Mike and Luke. He hit me with his own hey, face. Hey, Mike and Luke, you think that's this how is cool? It was. Well, here's what a buffalo does. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. take a dump. That's what, that's <laughs> yeah. what they did in that's that second why half. They're so you know what? I'm going with Notre Dame. Just out of spite. <laughs> just out of spite. Man, you guys are hateful. I'm going with Colorado because I think I was right th- last year. You can I'm, die on that hill alone. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, getting out. I'm the man just sitting up there on the hill alone. That's me. Colorado, baby. Notre Dame isn't very good this year, period. I mean, I don't disagree with that statement, but I think Notre Dame will cover handily. Yeah. All right. Well, also, I might be wrong. Ken Palm's usually right, and he says good offense beats good defense, so maybe I'm just wrong. <laughs> You're the man who went with Pitt over SMU. Yeah. Just reminding the audience of that. It's a great bet. They were up at half. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't bet the first half. Oh, we didn't bet the first half. Well, that's a mistake on our part. All right, Let's go to Atlantis. Should we go to Atlantis? Oh, Let's just go there. It's a battle for Atlantis. It's that time of year again, okay? I mean, like, baste your turkeys. Get ready to go through the- Are we uh, flying out? Yeah, we're we flying, flying out. out. We should battle recording live. for Atlantis. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're taking the- uh, what is it? The slip and slide through the fish tank or the shark tank? I, I'm excited. That's what Battle for Atlantis, baby. Let's do it. If we can somehow survive season two and get to season three of mm-hmm. this podcast, 
we should think about going to Atlantis, <laughs> leaving our families during Thanksgiving weekend and just, right. yeah, go. I mean, but I don't even like them anyways. They don't idea. even listen to this it's podcast. not a great idea. You know, family, I'm leaving you behind. I'm, I'm excited. I'm entire family to Atlantis. Okay. It would be fantastic. That might cost a little bit. Yeah. And there's the difference between Taylor and I. <laughs> right there. I'd leave him behind. I would, look, if I, anyways. We so as we heard sentence. from our friend Jeff Greer earlier on in the podcast, Louisville's involved in, in Atlantis. Right. Yeah, they'll be opening your against Louisville, ODU. Your Louisville um, team, Mike. Yeah, my Louisville team will be opening uh, against ODU in Battle for Atlantis. They're projected, right now again, projected based on Ken Palm's uh, fan match, uh, to be 14-point favorites against ODU. An ODU team that beat the red-hot JMU Dukes earlier this year. Uh, but no, they're... they're uh, <laughs> I'm from Harrisonburg, Virginia, so that's why I had to slide that in there. Um, no, but but really, I you know, ODU is actually a pretty good team. Uh, currently ranked 108th in um, Ken Palm's rankings. They've beaten James Madison and Richmond uh, to open the year. Um, it will be the... Will it be the best team the Louisville's played so far this year? I think so. I, I think Evansville was a depleted team. I think William Mary was okay. Uh, I, I expect uh, ODU to give them a bit of a fight. Um, I think that ODU plays a similar deliberate style offensively. I think that they're also glass crashers. Um, so I'm excited to see what they can do. And if if our if Greer's biggest worry about Louisville is their ability to defensively rebound the ball. I'll say that uh, ODU offensively. No, 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 no. You didn't listen. Uh, his biggest concern is three-point shooting, oh, which well, it has been yeah. for uh, I don't know the last five years or ever since Russ Smith graduated and Luke Hancock. Right, I miss. Well, left. you know, I actually think the USF dance team will be at this game, so I, I actually maybe that's why I like Louisville's. Maybe chances. Russ will be there too. Cheer him on. <laughs> Here's. ODU, actually, their adjusted tempo is the slowest in the nation right now of all D1 teams. They play at the slowest rate. This is a good point. They play very slow, very deliberately. Their offense, their average possession length is, you know, near the slowest in the nation. They have a very good offensive rebounding rate, as Mike mentioned. They are not good shooters overall. They do not have a good effective field goal percentage. Um, To me, against a team like Louisville, eh, I don't know if that sets up uh, as a good matchup. They're certainly not going to be bigger than Louisville. They're not going to outmatch them in size. I, I, I it's, don't. It's a tough matchup. I mean, it, I, I don't think it bodes well for them that they're going to rely on offensive rebounding with a very limited number of possessions well, against a team think like Louisville's Louisville. going to win. We just don't know how close it's going to be. Right. That's the question. Right. Right. I mean, the real and, question. And Mike is trying to reel us into ODU. I yeah, can feel it. Yeah. I can yeah, I mean, feel it. I'm. A, I'm. Sometimes I can be a pace better. And let me tell you, all all year last year, and ODU didn't lose a ton from last year's team. Um, they did lose Trey Freeman, who was their primary ball handler. But they were sixth in the country last year in turnover percentage. Okay, so they turned it over fewer than only five other teams in the entire country last year. I think they can continue that same trend this year. I think that. With Jeff Jones leading them at the helm and a stiff being their leading point scorer, oh, yeah. I like ODU to BJ? cover fourteen points. BJ's leading them, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, Brandon Stiff. Okay, no, okay, Brandon. Not, yeah, not Brandon. BJ, my Brandon. Stiff. I, get, yeah. I got it confused. Yeah, oh, there is a BJ Stiff. On yeah, the he team transferred well. from Virginia. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, correct. And Jeff Jones also coached at Virginia. Yeah, well, look at all these ties. There's a lot of ACC. Jeff Jones was a good coach back in the '90s. He was. He's an Elite Eight coach. His son is on the current UVA team. Yeah, JJJ Jeff Jones Jr. Wow. I can't even Three I can't say fast. that. I can't say that. Damn. Jeff Jones Jr. Good. Next game. <laughs> I like ODU. Anything else? Anything else in uh Battle for Atlantis? ODU plus fourteen. That's I'll me. take Louisville even giving up. I'll all take Louisville. Points. 
Louisville wins. Man. Did they cover? Louisville covers. Thank you. Man, that's lonely out here for a G. Okay, so you're you're on the <laughs> that just radioed silence. You're on the Colorado. Uh, that made me so happy. You're on the Colorado Island, and you're also on the ODU Island. Yeah, it'd be like great it. if I could pick better teams, but the point spreads I'm gonna are join there. You. I'm going to join you soon. The problem okay. is that if all three of us pick one team, you feel obligated to pick the other team, no matter what it is, no I... matter what. You are always going to. Well, do he that. led off there, so he didn't know where we were going to go. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel that way. I just. I just want to be. It's my. Those are the teams I want to pick. That's who I'm going to pick. Fair. That's fair. All right. Next game up. Um. So let's get out of Atlanta. So let's continue the hot weather trend. Let's head down to Destin, Florida, for the UVA Iowa game. Now, I actually looked at going down there because, again, don't really love my family that much. Would have loved to spend it in Florida alone watching college basketball. Unfortunately, I will be here in the state of Virginia. Um. Now, Virginia. Obviously, a lot of turmoil internally. Just However, had a big win. I will say this against Yale, who was a prolific offensive team, averaging in the 90s through yeah. their first two games. And one of those was coming at Washington. So they put up 95 at Washington, right? Yes, that's right. And Virginia holds them to 38. Right. That's incredible. Right. Great game for UVA today. Uh, you know, against Yale, came out with a 20 some odd point win. Anyways, they'll be playing Iowa. Uh, the line is projected to be. UVA minus 10. Uh, for those that don't know, Iowa currently has my f- favorite player in college basketball, Peter Jack. Uh, I'll say it one more time. Peter Jack. Okay. Uh, they also lost to Seton Hall last game. That's that's not a good sign. Well, hey, okay. Let's not read my parade, okay? This is the 58th ranked team in all of college basketball, according to Ken Palm's rankings. Wow. They run an incredibly quick up and down tempo. Um, you know, you you remember them last year, right? They had the, that epic game against Purdue. I think it went into overtime. They came back. Uh, you know, it was just a great basketball game to watch. Um, Peter Jock is at it again. He's not shooting as well as he did last year, but uh, I expect him and both Ty- him and Tyler Cook and uh, Jordan Bohannon to give – Give Virginia fits uh, from beyond the arc. Um, I, I see them jacking it early and often. Uh, they're shooting 38% on the year right now. Uh, currently, uh, 41% of all their field goal attempts are from behind the arc. So I expect that to continue, and I, I think they'll score well against Virginia. I'm going to go a little bit off topic right now. Okay. But since these two teams, you know, ACC, Big Ten. Right. It's starting. Isn't the ACC going to roll the Big Ten this year in the challenge? I know we say this every year, we but this year it has year. to happen, right? It has to happen. I mean, how many years has it been? Is is it is it five? Is it six that it's been chopped you know, or yeah, chopped or Big Ten, Big Ten yeah. one? Listen, Purdue's the only team I feel good about who's actually looked good in the Big Ten compared to what preseason expectations Indiana. were. Indiana, okay, Indiana, you're right. Indiana looks Indiana amazing. Looks I think Michigan State looks like uh, they have issues. Yeah, and issues plural. Right. We're not going to get into those. I mean, there's no doubt. Wisconsin they, did not look sharp against Creighton. Yeah, yeah, or maybe exactly. Creighton's just really good because Mike and I know this. Yeah, the Big East. The Big East is better than the Big Ten. The ACC is better than the Big Ten. I, I agree. There's just no depth there in the Big Ten right now. So yeah, I think across across conferences, you should see you know the ACC win you know 65 percent of those games. Ohio State's another team that people get sucked into because of their athleticism, but I mean they're just not a well disciplined team. They're going to turn the ball over. I guess they're still semi young, right? I mean, yeah. who else is who else is left? Michigan. I mean, Michigan's looked good. Michigan's yeah. Michigan's better than the last two years, which have been um, ones to forget. Yeah, I mean, you have programs that have just kind of fallen off, like Illinois and Minnesota, and you know, Penn State actually looks pretty decent this year. But again, you're not going to be able to see uh, them keep up with the ACC this year. 
Let me get back to the Iowa UVA game here. We uh, got to pick it soon. In so responses, yeah, go here's my my pick. I'll give it away. Is going to be Virginia, and I actually expect that line, the ten, Virginia's ten point favorites, will get closer. I think Virginia will not be favored by that many points when it comes time, solely because people will be reacting to the Nichols news. That's I, I think the public you're going to see that shift. Yeah, but the public also looks at oh wow, they just dismantled Yale and Iowa lost to that. Seton Hall team. Okay. So the public's also going to look at that information. Well, I, I just think, so Iowa plays a very fast pace. They also have a bad turnover percentage. They turn the ball over. They get it stolen. UVA, of course, great defense. They steal the ball. Now, but the, the defense is not bent on steals. I mean, right, you have Wilkins and you have Thompson who have really quick hands, but and Kyle Guy, I'll give him I, some credit too. But I mean... Virginia's defense is not Louisville's defense. Louisville's I, defense I, is bent on causing turnovers. Virginia is bent on causing bad shots. True, but Iowa's de- offense right now has one of the worst steal percentages in the nation right now. We're and three I think, games I, in, We're right? Three true. Games in. I just think they're not as they're not sound enough with the ball. They don't cover it up enough, and they because they're so fast, they're gonna not take good value shots against a defense like Virginia. I think it's gonna play right into their hands, um, into Virginia's hands. I'm saying. Um, and I don't think it's going to end up well for Virginia. I mean, they Iowa also takes a pretty fair share of their points from three-point range, of their shots from three-point range, but they don't, and they get a ton of points from three-point range, and that's going to be tough. I think they're going to be forced into bad transition shots that UVA is going to cover up. Um, I don't think their defense is going to do enough. Um, even against a kind of depleted Virginia offense, I'll take Virginia here. Okay, I'm just going to play devil's advocate, but I'm, I'm going to take Virginia as well, but... If you're a good three-point shooting team, that's preferable if you're going against the back line. True. I just I didn't I didn't um articulate that the way I wanted to. They take a lot of threes and with their I don't know what I was trying to say. I still yeah, like I don't know what you're saying either. Let's go on. Just watch number five for Iowa, Tyler oh, gosh, Cook. Oh, I thought he's we, gonna uh, dominate the basketball. The inside <laughs> out game between him and Peter Jock. Just watch, just watch. Uh, you're never gonna miss Austin Nichols more than when you see Tyler Cook just absolutely dominate inside. Six nine freshman. Woo, they may not have Adam he, Woodbury and yeah, Jared Utoff anymore. Um, wow. nice <laughs> yeah, thank you. I've been working Very on good. that. They may not have them anymore, so they don't have the size that you're accustomed to seeing in Iowa. Uh, but Tyler Cook is is a man. He's a man. <laughs> so enjoy it. He's gonna just. He's is gonna. He, is he a man? Yeah, he's a man. Well, you said I'm, yeah. I'm not. Well, he's gonna convinced. inspire the snowbirds down there in Destin. You know, it's it's gonna be a great basketball game. Go Iowa. I take him plus ten. Uh, I trust adults in these island, Florida, Emerald Coast things. So I'll take Virginia, like I said before, and Guthrie will too. I'm assuming Virginia minus ten. Please. Next game. Taylor, wait. You, what Taylor pick? I took UVA. You guys. That was nice. All right. I'm sorry I got loud. I was disappointed in my crew. Let's move on. You're going Iowa? I'm going Iowa plus 10. We're not going to come. Are we ever going to make another consensus pick? I really doubt it. Well, the Duke one didn't turn out, so maybe it's for the best. Let's transition <laughs> to the next game. What's you know, next as, on the agenda? Mike and I were talking before the podcast, and we actually think that although our consensus pick went horribly wrong. It didn't um, go horribly wrong. Okay. It, I mean, that it game could have gone to overtime. Which counts as Could have gone to overtime. Right. Come on. True. Okay, but of the um, games that we picked three to one with the majority, no matter what the three to one, how it's split, I think we were something like yeah, we're we're like eight and two on the year yeah, for we our were majority really good picks. With the 
majority fixed. Like, so I'm really happy with you guys. I mean, it's it really it's really bad that you guys are going to be so off this week because I've been the only one on the other side. So I'm, I'm upset that that percentage is going to be worse um, when we look back. But yeah, overall, you know, we're actually well. I'd like decent. to apologize. I'd like to make a public apology for picking Michigan State. Okay. I'm, I'm public apology for me. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what I was, was thinking. That was a bad pick. Um, but that's that's fine. Let's move on. All, All right. right, let's do let's it. talk about a team that we have not really touched on yet. Um, let's talk about them, Virginia Tech Hokies. All right, they they have their first true test of the year against New VMI, Mexico. Good this gracious, year. that team. <laughs> their first couple games have been, I don't want to say embarrassing, but right. let's face it. Right, right. Yeah, they they have not been good. Um, but Virginia Tech will play uh, New Mexico uh, here later this week. Uh, the line is expected to be minus five. Virginia Tech um, again. New Mexico undefeated. Um, you know, currently ranked 81st in Ken Palm's rankings. Uh, you know, one of the things that New Mexico does is get to the line uh, and, and at an incredibly high rate. Currently, the number one rate in the country. And Virginia Tech. You know, right now, man-to-man wise, is is one of the better teams defensively that I that I've seen play. You know, you don't get access to a lot of Virginia Tech basketball, um, but they they've been great so far. Zach Ladey has lived up to the hype. He's averaging over sixteen a game all day. Ladey, okay, okay, all right. I love Zach Ladey. Um, so, anyways, uh, you know, New Mexico, Elijah Brown, um, Tim Williams. We we won't go through all these names. All right, Mike, we gotta go. Come on, come all on. right. Running out of time. It's, it's being held in California, third-party site, at the Titan Gym. I like Virginia Tech. My first ACC pick of the week. Mm. Okay. Sorry, I missed. What, what is the projected spread? It's a five-point line uh, for Virginia Tech over the New Mexico, I do believe, the Lobos. Yeah, the Lobos, who we know how to, to go against them in March, but there's not going to be a March <laughs> this year. So, yeah, I'm fine with that. Virginia yeah, I'm going to take Virginia Tech, Tech too. I think Let's you, move on, though. If you look at New Mexico, gonna... one of their strengths is offensive rebounding. Virginia Tech defense, fifth best defensive rebounding team in the nation. We're three games in. True, Just but gonna I keep saying they, that. they have some sort of meaning now. They have meaning now. Right. Well, when you're playing VMI and Grand Canyon Central. All right, all right. That's what happens. You're, I can feel Ken Palm getting upset. Don't oh, I'm upset sorry. Ken I, Palm. I'm fine with Virginia Tech. I think they finished seventh again. Okay. Didn't I say that? Yeah. Or did I say eighth? Did I, I say, did I say ten? No, nobody's I don't going know. back. Who and cares? We're not going to go back. Know. I'll, I'll write it on my whiteboard when I get home. Let's delete the preview so nobody would know. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. are the three of you picking Virginia Tech? Yeah. Is that right? Okay, I'm going to pick New Mexico because we are not putting money on that game. <laughs> We're not putting imaginary <laughs> monopoly money on that game. Not happening. Go Lobos. I agree with Guthrie here. I I don't feel good about this. Oh. Yeah, and Guthrie said the hot hand, so we're definitely not going to go with this. Next okay. game, we have to go quickly. All right, last one, Stanford against Miami. Um, I know a lot of you guys uh, love Miami deeply, or maybe you don't. I don't know. I'm looking around the room to a lot of a lot of blank stares, a lot of, you know, why are you talking about this game? You know, um, like right now, uh, Miami is currently projected to be a six-point favorite against Stanford. Um, and, you know, every everybody, I think, in their right mind would pick Miami. I'm picking Stanford plus six. Any other feedback from you, gentlemen? I don't know anything about Stanford. I just know they're in trouble. That's all I'll say. Charles Barkley style. I'll take Miami just because of the name brand Atlantic Coast Conference. <laughs> it's a gut feeling. I have no insights in this, so don't trust me, public. Jim Larinaga in Florida doesn't lose. I'll take Miami. Oh. Butterfly release. Track suits. 
I'm gonna you, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell Mike actually. Read Travis, man. He's the real deal. Read Travis, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's yeah, legit. He's, he's gonna run train. Mm-hmm. Choo choo. <laughs> choo choo. All right. Okay. <laughs> All, All right. right. Let's We're do divided. it. We're divided. And that should do it. We've picked enough games. Right. Any any closing thoughts so far into the uh, college basketball season? I mean, we, we've seen a couple good games. Obviously, a great opening night with uh, Indiana, um, you know, I, and Duke. Um, who, what else have you seen the, so far the, this year? The foul calls really have ruined a couple games for me. Okay. I mean, so Kansas in its first two games, there were 110 foul calls or something like that. Like, really? It kind of ruins enjoyment of watching the game. I mean, I I really hope they revisit the 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 changes that are being made in the off season. Right. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna end this with a bang, all right, and with a question. You guys ready? Sure. Question. Okay. I'm throwing it out there. Is North Carolina the best team in the league? I went there. I did it. I still believe in Louisville more than anyone. I think they shut down North Carolina all day or day. Um, I'm going with Louisville there. You think Louisville's the best team in the league? Yeah, oh. I don't. I don't see how we Joel are Barry losing was, listeners. Joel Barry right scored now. two points last game. I I don't see how he scores at they all. They were in Hawaii Donovan. and it was at 1 a.m. our time. I'm just saying. I don't see how he scores at all against Donovan Mitchell. I, I think they need him. I think they need him in order to score. And I think that Louisville down low can man up against Isaiah Hicks and Kennedy Meeks. I still like Louisville. I think they are the best defensive team in the country. And I think if uh, if what we're hearing out of Louisville is correct I, and they can shoot the ball, I think they're the and best they team. they can't shoot the ball. They're the best team in they the ACC. They cannot shoot the ball. They right, can't my, score. That's my pick. They still that's can't score. I think right now, if they, all, if they play the tournament today, North Carolina is the best team in the ACC. Yes. I expect when conference play starts to roll around, Duke will be the best team. That's fair. I just Boston wanted, College watch. Boston College has won two games. I just wanted to stir the pot yeah. a little bit, and so I think I did. Right, you did. I you did. did. I stirred it. Yeah, it's funny. I have a chili cook-off tomorrow at work, so this is a good practice for me. Well, let's talk about chili, because <laughs> Guthrie and I are chili savants over here. Oh, is that right? We're very good at making okay. chili. All we right. have different strategies, but we both go with habaneros. Oh, that's a nice Try to pronounce call. that. Let can me, you, let can me you say you. habaneros? I, went, I can't pronounce habaneros. I, I can't do hey, the tilde over the N. Um, but weren't you a Puerto Rico man? How I, can you not I do was, the tilde? I was. I can roll my R's. You know, at least that's what the ladies tell me. Wink, wink. Um, no, the the thing the thing about my Exclamation points. <laughs> too soon. Let me say, the, the chili that I made for my cook-off last year had carrots in it. And I got like run. I got run out of the building. I mean, I, I kid you not. I, it was out of eight chilies. I finished dead last, and I left with the chili in a trash bag over my shoulder, and I just took it to the curb. I didn't even donate it. I just people were so like offended. Was by it a chili cook-off at like an eye clinic? <laughs> was that your rationale no, for putting the carrots? Yeah. In? What do you, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, what are you doing? Yeah, that's good. Get, yeah, get my vitamins. It took me a while, um, but no, you know it wasn't. Um, they're, it's they're delicious and chili. But anyways, it, it was like total flight. I, I saw you like a week after that chili cook-off, and it was still the saddest I've ever seen you in your life. Mm -hmm. What what inspired you to put carrots in? I've I've never heard of that. I love carrots. <laughs> well, we we can talk. I I don't know. It adds a nice texture. Okay, it adds a nice okay. texture right. once you cook it you, down. You know what we should do? We should throw on our own chili cook-off at the end of the year and invite fans of the program to come. Our banquet can be a chili cook-off. We could do oh, that. That's a good idea. Paid for by other people, I guess. <laughs> so right. we we compete with our takes during the entire season. We disagree. Mm -hmm. We like to challenge each other. Right. We all have considerably large egos. Right. 
when it comes to college basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not in real life, but just when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. So why not put our chili to the test as well? Right. I, I like believe it. in my recipe, and I believe that yours will go downhill if the fans show up. I will go get a plastic container of that slurry that you get at Seven Eleven. That comes out. <laughs> it has no texture to it. It kind of just looks like a sludge that comes out. Submit that as, it's as fantastic. your entry. Yeah. Okay. Submit that as in a plastic cup. <laughs> All right, finally, uh, we're going to have to push How to Make It in America to the next podcast again, and also Guthrie's Tinder Tips to next episode yeah, as well. So this yeah. is just a double plug because we ran out of time. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm excited about that. You know, I think it's it's an important thing to talk about how and why you make picks. You know, I think that the the methodology that people use to make their own selections, I think it's a really interesting um, mentality to get into. So, I, yeah, I'm excited to get into that. And more importantly, I'm excited to see how Guthrie – picks the pictures that go up on tinder and who he swipes left and right for and mm. yeah there's just it's a very be... complex complex algorithm yeah i'm sure uh, it, it it'll is. take it'll take some time i'm pretty sure into. his bio says i put carrots in my chili <laughs> <laughs> all right taylor close us out yeah please everyone uh find us on the itunes store and subscribe and leave a review S- still do that still uh tell us what you think uh, just search ACC Basketball Degenerates. You can also find us on Twitter at ACC B-Ball Degens. That's A-C-C-B-B-A-L-L-D-E-G-E-N-S. Email us at the same address, accbballdegens at gmail.com. And tell your friends and tell them to subscribe as well. We're always looking for new listeners. Yeah, see you next time.